0: Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we approach your throne with confidence once again. And in so doing, we expect to hear a voice, the voice of your Holy Spirit. We put ourselves and our minds in a posture of hearing and also seeing. So I pray during this time as we open up your scriptures and we look at this, this story, of old, that it would become a story of now to us. Uh, let your word come alive to us today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said. Amen. Amen. Well, we're still making our way through this book of Ezra. And uh today uh I've been titled, Let's Begin Again. Let's begin again. Uh Sometimes you have to begin again several times in a day, several times in a week. Uh, I love the proverb that talks about the man who falls down, righteous man falls down and he gets back up seven times. The issue is not whether or not you fall, the issue is whether or not you get back up. That's right. And that's sort of what this story is about. This is part five of the book of Ezra. And last week we left the story of the rebuilding of the temple unfinished. And also the temple. We left it unfinished <laughs> last week. Um, and the last part of chapter four said, Until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. It was not finished until. And we said, until was coming today. Actually the next time will be the fulfillment of until but we're getting to a part of until today. Because now we fast forward between the last verse in 4 and the first verse in chapter 5. We fast forward and depend on who you read. Either 14, 15, 16. I even saw one place where the, it was 20 years between those two verses. Uh, it's interesting but not consequential. 15, 14, 16 years. To the first verse, or to the re, uh, restoration of our story, and as we talked about last Sunday, we talked about building in the face of opposition. And if you've never faced opposition, it probably didn't mean a thing to you. But it's like Brother Bob Mumford said, if you hadn't, then you just hang on—you got a great, ex- a great experience waiting on you. Opposition once again in chapter five raises and rears. It's ugly head. And I told you last week that this opposition will continue through, throughout the entirety of Ezra and all the way through the end of Nehemiah. It will never cease. The fact is we're still seeing opposition today. Ezra chapter five, uh, I'm going to read the, the 17 verses and, uh, I'll deal with the fact that this really doesn't finish the story. Uh, I was tempted to go ahead and try to do five and six, but I didn't figure. I mean, I'm having a birthday today, and I didn't figure y'all wanted to have one while you were sitting here. (laughs) So I I disciplined myself and 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 did like Brother Charles always talked about. The way you do it, you like salami, you just slice it and stop it. Anyway, if you wouldn't mind standing while I read chapter five from the English Standard Version. Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Jehoshadak, or Jehoshadak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. At the same time, Tad and I, the governor of the province beyond the river, and I looked up how to pronounce this next word. I looked up three different places, and guess what I got? Three different pronunciations. Guess what I did? I made up my own. If they can't agree, I can't. Shether Bazanai and their associates came to them and spoke to them thus. Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? They all Some of your Bibles may say we there, but I'm not even going to deal with that. But they also asked them this. What are the names of the men who are building this building? But the eye of their God was on the elders of the Jews, and they did not stop them until the report should reach Darius, and then an answer be returned by letter concerning it. Verse 6, this is a copy of the letter that Tatanai, the governor of the province beyond the river, and Shethir-Bazani and his associates, the governors who were in the province beyond the river, sent to Darius the king. They sent him a report in which was written as follows. To Darius the king, all peace, be it known to the king that we went to the province of Judah, to the house of the great God. It is being built with huge stones and timber is laid in the walls. This work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. Then we asked those elders and spoke to them thus, Who gave you a decree to build this house and to finish this structure? We also asked them their names for their information that we might, for your information that we might write down the names of their leaders. And this was their reply to us. We are the servants of God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the house that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and finished. But because our fathers had angered the God of heaven, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this house and carried away the people to Babylonia. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus the king made a decree that this house of God should be rebuilt. And the gold and silver vessels of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple that was in Jerusalem and brought into the temple of Babylon. These Cyrus, the king, took out of the temple of Babylon and they were delivered to one whose name was Sheshbazar. Should have looked that one up too. Whom he had made governor. And he said to, to him, take these vessels, go and put them in the temple that is in Jerusalem and let the house of God be rebuilt on On its site. Then, then this Sheshbazar came and laid the foundations of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And from that time until now, it has been in building and it is not yet finished. Therefore, it seems good to the king. If it seems good to the king, let search be made in the royal archives there in Babylon to see whether a decree was issued by Cyrus the king for the rebuilding of this house of God in Jerusalem. And let the king send us his pleasure in this matter. You can be seated. So we begin this chapter, chapter five, these, the first two verses reveal to us that the living word of God was just as active in the Old Testament as it is in the New. Because God was living then, God is living now. And so it says that the word of the Lord came through two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And the scripture says, that they prophesied to them, and here's a key, sometimes, this is just a sidebar, sometimes we read scriptures, we read through things, I do, and then I, I, I noticed some if I go back I'll notice little things. well this is not such a little thing, but it's easy to go over this. it says they prophesied to them in the name of the God of Israel who was over them you can miss those four little words in the name of the God of Israel who was over them what he's trying to what they were trying to communicate was that since the work is God's it cannot Ultimately, be frustrated. It cannot be stopped. Ultimately, if God's doing it, you can't stop it. Amen. And, and of course, Rob covered Haggai a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, Haggai chapter 1, and in a couple weeks, uh, Kevin Brummett's going to cover chapter 2. But uh in chapter 1, this is what God said through these prophets. He said, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. They had, they had fallen back on their laurels. They had ceased working and they had become occupied with other things. Most of the other things they had become occupied with were themselves or things to do with themselves. And so he said this. They said, it's not time. It's not time for us to rebuild the house of the Lord. Well, who determines the time? He also said in Haggai, is, and, and Rob quoted these to you, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Is it a time for you to pay all of your attention to you and the things that concern you and the things that interest you and the things that you like? And to ignore and to abdicate your responsibilities regarding the house of the Lord. Remembering that as we sit here today, the house of the Lord is not this building, but it's the temple of God that he is building of his people. And then he said this, these words, consider your ways. Consider, in other words, you need to take an examination. You need to take inventory of your ways. And then, and, then, and then these questions. He said, you, not questions, but statements. you planted much, but you harvested little. You have food to eat, but you're still hungry. You have plenty to drink, but you're still not satisfied. You put on clothing, but you're still cold. And all of us can identify with this one. You earn wages, but it disappears down an invisible hole. Now, I know sometimes we get help. I'm I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) But this is what happens when you disregard priorities, when you disregard putting your your, uh, efforts and diligence to God's purpose instead of your own. The opposition that they faced and the struggle that ensued had weakened their resolve, they weren't as resolute. And as Rob pointed out to you, they just quit. Yeah, they could say they were ordered to do it, but uh, you know, you don't always do what you're ordered to do, especially in a case like that. But their resolve had been weakened, and they decided to quit. But what the problem is is when they decided to quit building on the house of God, they kept building on their own houses. Priorities. we read we started this out by talking about when the returning exiles had lost their energy the lord stirred up the governor he stirred up stirred up cyrus he stirred stirred up the people and of course stirred up is a, to arouse to action it was god who stirred up cyrus cyrus was not the king of israel he was the king of persia and yet god from heaven stirred him up, aroused him to action, which aroused the people of God to action. Because they had lost sight of the fact that the temple was the place where God hung out with his people. In the in the old covenant under the old system, if you wanted to hang out with God, you went to the temple. And God said, let's do it this way. Let's build it this way and make it this size and make it look like this. And, of course, he was building an exact replica of the temple in heaven. We know that. But that's where God hung out, and they forgot that. You can learn from them that taking God's house lightly means that you're taking God lightly. If you're taking God's purpose in your life lightly... You're taking God lightly. If you're taking the priorities of your life and you have them skewed, then you have your view and perspective of God skewed because they go together. These two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, exposed the fact that they didn't have a time problem. They had a value problem. It wasn't that they didn't have time I say, is it time to build the temple they didn't have a time issue they had a value issue they did not value the, king, the the house of god and so they paid attention to other things basically their actions everybody say there's I'm not everybody says that actions speak louder than words their actions were saying god we're building our houses instead of your house Because we value ourselves and our comfort more than we value you and your glory. Now, they weren't saying that with their mouths, but they were saying that with their actions. We must prioritize our lives in such a fashion that puts God and his purpose at the top of the list. I'll never forget, I've told you, a good good friend of mine, he's in heaven now. Brother Jerry Laniers. Nineteen seventy-five, my, my father-in-law and I went to a uh retreat conference in in Andalusia, Alabama. The Blue Lake Assembly Ground. And the speakers were A. S. Worley, Clarence Matheny, and Gerald Laniers. This was in June of nineteen seventy-five. In January of 1974, Brother Jerry had dispensed of his vows as a Catholic priest and had married. And he was married to Susan until the day he died, which was during COVID, so it was this recent. And he preached a message on God's priorities. I still have the notes back there in my office. But I can tell you what they say. God, family, watch this. Job, ministry. That's the order of priorities. God, family, employment, or job, and then ministry. Because we want to get ministry ahead of our jobs because we think jobs are carnal. uh, Employment and vocation is one of the most spiritual things you can do. Boy, boy, boy. So I got stronger amen on that one. When we devalue God's priorities nothing we can do or obtain will satisfy our needs or bring us it's like the the uh, uh, rolling stones i can't I can't get no satisfaction don't you don't you love it how in music you can get away with double negatives nobody ever says anything if if your life I don't know who I'm talking to somebody out there maybe if your life is empty of satisfaction, if you can't get no satisfaction, you have probably misplaced the value of God in your life. You probably misplaced your priorities. And this is what these two prophets were saying to, to these folks. There is a price to pay for neglecting the mission of God. So he says to them, go up to the mountains and bring some wood and rebuild the temple. What we need to build God's house, God's spiritual house, what we need today to build God's house can be found in the mountain. No, we don't have a physical mountain to, to climb. We learn in Isaiah, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. The mountain is where God lives. The mountain is where the presence of God is. And that's where we find what we need to build the house that we're building today. I can tell you this, God won't take us up into the mountain because He said, you go into them, up into the mountain. Well yeah, God, if you'll bring me up, no, God's not going to bring you up the mountain. He tells us you Go up into the mountain, into the presence, into the face of God. And you'll find what you need there, but you're not going to find it down here. And so the prophetic word of these two guys, it reignited the work of God. And the leadership, it says the leadership arose. They arose and began to rebuild. It just means to to rise up from something. And whatever you find yourself in, whatever condition you find yourself in, whatever predicament you find yourself in, God gives you the grace to rise up out of those ashes and get back to work. Get back to the mission. And then we talk about the eye of God. The opposition in this story returns in a different form. They're a little nicer. They're a little more professional. And yet it's the same spirit behind the opposition. Same spirit. We, we talked about last week how that the word um, accusation comes from the root word sitna, which is, comes from the root word Satan. And so there's this darkness and sinister accompanied with accusation and that's why the devil's called the accuser of the brethren. We 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 identified that Satan was behind the opposition by the Samaritans in chapter 4 that he was there was no question he was behind that. And so it's the same thing here that he's behind this, he's behind this opposition. The same way we learn in this process that no de- demonic opposition, no demonic antagonism, or human resistance can prevent the furthering of God's purpose. None. We said that earlier, and now we've said it again. I hope we get it, because we wring our hands worrying that this is going to crumble and that's going to crumble and the church is going to fail. And we worry and we wring our hands, but if God's doing it, nobody can stop it. And then look at verse 5. I hope you got your Bibles or tablets or phones open. Verse 5 says, Oh, wrong chapter there. Let's go back here. With the eye of their God, was on the elders of the Jews. The eye of their God. You need to know that the eye of your God is on you. You need to know that there is a higher authority, capital H, capital A, watching over you. They had a higher authority watching over them. The eye of their God was on them. Let that sink in. Ezra, later on, Ezra will, or be said this of Ezra, the king granted him all that he asked for the hand of the Lord, his God was on him. The eye of God and the hand of God. Ezra, Ezra realized that he said this of himself, I took courage for the hand of the Lord, my God was on me. You need to know that the eye of God is on you and the hand of the Lord is on you and you need to know and respond accordingly. Psalm 33 teaches us, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. You want to attract God's attention? You want to attract God's eye? Then you... Fear God and hope in his steadfast love. What is his steadfast love? Never ending, never going away. And then this verse, Second Chronicles, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those there is a condition, whose hearts are fully committed. To him who, and by the way, that's a corrective verse. I like quoting it. We all quoted it, quoting him at the next verse. God tells, I think it's Asa. He said, you blew it. <laughs> you know, the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the whole earth. Or some versions say going roaming to and fro to find God's people to strengthen, but you blew it. You don't want to get into that verse. So the eyes of the Lord are on you. Whether you like it or not, and wants to strengthen you. What's interesting is when the, when these guys said, we're going to write a letter to the, to Darius, man, their testimony, uh, their testimony was great. Uh, they said, be it known to the king. We went to the province of Judah to the, House of this great God. Imagine that. The, again, these are pagans. These are well, they're sort of mixed race, but anyway, they're not godly, and they say we went to. They're building this house of this great God. I'd have stopped right then. And then they said, "This work goes on diligently, and prospers in their hands." So the enemy, the opposition, is the one testifying. About the greatness of God and the mission that's being accomplished. And not only is it being accomplished, it's being accomplished with prosperity in their hands. It's prospering. They're doing good. And so we ask them, hey, who, it's like the, uh, codes, codes people showing up on your job site. Where's your building permit? Who gave you permission to do this? Who told you you could build this, this house? And give me the names. Give me the names of the people of your leaders here so I can write them down. Now, based on two passages, two verses, I'm going to read the other one in a moment. The answer, it looks like the answer from the people of Judah, the answer to their question of who will give me the names, the answer was none. Because it says Who gave you a decree? Verse nine. Who gave you a decree to build this house? Verse ten, we asked them their names, and this was their reply. We are the servants of God. Not only are we the servants of God, we are the servants and this is their great reply. This is we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. In other words, they didn't give them the names. They just said, you want to know the names? I'll tell you who we are. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. That's the names you need to know. And we're rebuilding the house that was built many years ago by a great king, of course, Solomon of Israel, built and finished. The God of heaven and earth. It's interesting to note that in Ezra 1, chapter 1, verse 2, it refers to God as the God of heaven. Simply, He's the God of heaven. And here we add of earth. God of heaven and earth. Uh, God is not, cannot be confined to a locality. A lot of people would like to get God confined to heaven. If God will stay in heaven and leave us alone, we'll be a lot happier. But the issue is, God is not just the God of heaven, but he's also the God of earth. The earth is the Lord's, Psalm 24, and everything that it contains, everyone that it contains, God owns it all. God's not confined to a locality, and so he chose to, and we covered this already, he chose to reveal himself to his people in the temple. And, of course, their reply is, we're rebuilding the house. And then they go through their history. I mean, they say, uh, we're the servants of God. Our fathers angered God. He gave them the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. We went into Babylonian captivity. And they said, and then King Cyrus, I mean, uh, The first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, Cyrus the king made a decree to have the house rebuilt. Go through the details of how this came to be and how they came to return to Jerusalem and build this house. Uh, It's important, saints, that we know our history. I know all of you history people got excited and the rest of you went, Uh, history, all that history junk. And it is his story. It's important that we know where we came from. It's important to know the good, bad, and the ugly. I know some of us got more ugly than good, and we've got a lot of bad. But it's important to know how did we get here? How did not only our natural family, how did we get here? What about our spiritual family? How did we get here? It's important to know what came before Because in verse 12, it says, Our fathers angered God and he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, he gave them over to judgment. Notice that he called them back. I've always said this, judgment is God's mercy. Because his, his intention with his judgment is to bring us back. He's not primarily looking to eliminate us, but he's looking to redeem us. And sometimes it's only in a, in an atmosphere of judgment that God can get our attention and bring us back. And they said to him, we've been building, we've been in building. I love those words. Uh, let's see. Yeah, verse 16. Foundations of the house of God are in Jerusalem for that time until now. It has been in building. Must be Amazon delivering something to our house. (laughs) It has been in building. You know what that is? They're saying, we have our hands on the plow for the kingdom. It's been in building. We've been working. We have our hands on the plow, plowing for the kingdom of God. Of course, you've seen Luke 9, 62. Whatever we face, whatever opposition we face, whatever moment of difficulty and challenge we face, we need to be able to answer, what I'm doing is still in process. And what I'm doing is i got my hands on this plow, And whatever field that God has placed me in and anointed me for and gifted me for, and I'm plowing with my bag of seed hanging off my belt. I'm plowing. I'm not taking my hands off this plow. And by the way, the field that I'm plowing, it's not finished. It's not finished. And by the way, our mission in many ways... Will never won't be finished until Jesus comes back. They said it's not yet finished. Well, if I left you right there, and and I, I won't, but if I that's the end of the chapter. So you know, let the King send us His pleasure in this matter. We we're waiting for your reply. Well, rather than make you wait for His reply. Uh, I'm gonna make you wait. Anyway, I'm gonna give you two verses from chapter six because uh, I love these verses. Of course, I hadn't read a Bible verse yet. I didn't love. I didn't. Lo- I don't always love how they apply to me. But anyway, it says, "Now, therefore, Tatni, governor of the province province beyond the river, and that's the Euphrates, by the way, Shether Bazanai, my own pronunciation." and your associates, the governors who are in the province beyond the river, watch this, keep away. (laughs) Oh, this is great. This is Darius, king of Persia. Not the king of Israel, not the king of Judah. King of Persia, he said, leave him alone. Why? Because the eye of God is on him. Because the favor of God is on him. Because they're worshiping the God of heaven and earth. Because they got their hands to the plow. The next verse says this. Let the work on this house of God alone. Leave them alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews rebuild this house of God on its site. Leave them alone. The favor of God will get you past most anything that you face. It's not just special people who get the favor of God, saints. It's God's people who attract the favor of God. They had the favor of God. They had, they had applied themselves. They heard the word of the prophets. They heard the living word. They responded. It was, the the mission was reignited. They said, let's build again. Let's start building again. And they did. And they still hadn't finished when they met the opposition. And yet the eye of God was on them. The favor of God was on them. And so they said, Darius said, leave them alone. Keep away. And I'm sure those guys went back uh, to City Hall real excited and thrilled to report that they couldn't stop the building of the house of God. And I want to tell you, I don't care what happens in Washington, D.C. I don't care what happens in this world, in this country. I don't care what happens in November on the second Tuesday. I don't care what happens. God's house will continue to be built, and nothing or anyone or no one can stop it. His work will continue, and one day his work will will be consummated. Amen. Until then, we keep our hands on the plow and we keep doing whatever it is he's put to us. Let's stand, stand with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that we take a lesson from our ancestors. Pray that we take a lesson from those who heard the words of the prophet that came from you and responded to your word. And whatever you've spoken to us today, whatever you've spoken to our hearts to today, whatever you've encouraged us with, whatever you have challenged or convicted us with today, we pray that we have the grace to respond and that you could reignite in us that which we've laid down, that which we've laid aside. Then I pray that you give us the boldness and the ability to put one foot in front of the other and take up the mantle of the mission and never let go of those plow handles until the day you come back to consummate everything of the kingdom. Lord Jesus, help each one of us to find our way. And I pray for divine appointments for each one of us that we would encounter those who need that seed that we're carrying around in our bag of seed. And that we could sow into their lives in such a way that maybe someone else comes along and waters. But ultimately, uh, they are fruit for the kingdom of God. We thank you for the word of God that's alive to us. Let it remain alive. I pray in the name of Jesus. Everyone said? Amen. 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 God bless you. You're dismissed. Let's have a great Sunday next week. Brother Ricky will be sharing with us, as already said. Have a great day. Dismissed.